This is Pfeffer on Power. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pfeffer. Every other week, we have a podcast in which I am able to get amazing people from literally around the world to come on and talk about how they have used the principles for power and influence, the principles that I talk about in Seven Rules of Power to advance, to accelerate their careers. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Tosin Joel. I met Tosin when she took my power class as part of Stanford's LEAD program. Tosin is an amazing person. She was born in Nigeria, grew up in Nigeria, got a degree in geology, went to work for a large Italian oil company, ENI. And as you know, there are not many women in the oil industry. She is a black woman in the oil industry. There are not that many women, and certainly black women, in senior executive roles in Italian companies. Tosin, after she took my class, sent me an email and said, I got four promotions in about six months and is a big fan of the class. And so it is really a pleasure to welcome her to the Pfeffer on Power podcast. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And, and the first question is, give us a quick overview of your resume. I know you were born in Nigeria. Tell us about growing up and your education and your jobs prior to arriving at ENI. Absolutely. So first of all, I wanted to thank you for this great initiative. It's an amazing way to really share stories with the world. And um, this is amazing. So why don't I tell you a little bit about me? I was born in Nigeria. Like you said, my undergrad was in geology. As an undergrad, I really had to really work, hustle a lot to put myself through school because I didn't have so much uh, resources in form of uh, financial support. Support. So coming from that kind of background, I had wished to be a center of change in my world. So I wanted to be something for myself, but I also wanted to be something for people that matter. So I was very passionate about geology. As a student, I went to conference and I observed. And when I begin to notice that, hey, you can actually change your story by meeting the right people, by being at the right place at the right time. I started going for conferences. I started taking up leadership role. I was a vice president for Nigerian Association for Petroleum Explorationist in my university. And that changed my narrative because I went from being just an observer and an outlier to get a seat at the table which was a big deal then. So I was not just scouting for opportunity for myself. I was scouting for my colleague. And if I tell you I'm from a small city raised by a single mom, it was a struggle. And I was the first to go to university from my own city. So which is a big deal. It's a really big deal. So playing indirectly power then, when I finished from the uni, I joined ExxonMobil for one year as a was a geologist and just having mentorships and talking to the right focal people. I was the first uh, geologist to, to start a lot of initiative and a number of things. So I left Exxon and I joined ENI. And when I joined ENI, it was just about focusing on geology and getting things done. But I said to myself that I want to set a precedent. So as um, a younger female explorationist, I really focused. 
I was starting at the beginning to just focus on the job and say, let me just get the job done. Let me work a bit harder. Maybe it would differentiate me. It does differentiate, but it differentiates you up to an extent. So without taking power courses, then I said, no, it has to be more. So I began to leverage the power of human capital. You know, I sat with the verses. I tried to read their minds. I tried to read the room and I used it. As I begin to plan, as I begin to make presentation, as a result of that, it automatically shut me out out of my colleagues. So I was the first explorationist there, you know, actually selected from Nigeria out of many since to Italy. And from Italy, I got an opportunity, an international offer. And just from there, it began to really differentiate my career, which is really noticing the room talking to the right people, like the kind of map project that you taught us in the course, you know, who are the people that will really help you to get to where you deserve. I'd not taken power course there, but this principle really helped me. So having a mentor from that time, I got to ENI and I was the only Nigeria, only African offered a permanent role in ENI there. Again, this was a big deal <laughs> coming out of several. And I began to grow from there. Within a very short time, I began to lead teams. I began to lead projects globally in Gulf of Mexico, in South Africa, in Sub-Saharan Africa. And I began to manage even project managers. And that was when I realized a gap. I realized that as a woman in the room, sometimes it gets lonely. You need to have bar hands. And when you're in the middle of just male managers, sometimes you need to know an extra layer to manage the pressure, which is not just technical. So this was why I decided to register for the power course in 2019. Because at that time, I told myself, I looked around me and I didn't see many like me. I was the only one. And I didn't like that for two reasons. I didn't like that because I needed the level of buying that I wasn't going to get if I was the holy one. So I was not just the only black manager. I was the only female manager and I was stationed abroad and I had to manage multiple stakeholders and I had the boss that was very, very intense. <laughs> so when you're dealing with a higher generations with more than 20, 25 years of gap, you have to deal with a lot of stuff. And in order to manage it well, you need power. So I always say that being a successful person alone in the room is a dangerous place to be if you're alone in your own space. You need people around you. And what Power Project taught me was how to leverage human capital. Because after I took Power Course, what I saw before as problem, it became opportunities for me. I began to think about how can I really leverage this resource to get myself to where I wanna to get to? How can I leverage this resource to really create value for me, the company? And that really differentiated my game because the kind of offers I got within my company and outside my company were so huge. I even started a company during COVID-19 to support professional within energy industry and everything around it was centered around power. So connecting executives, I profile executives with mid careers in energy company, it turned around the story of many people. So I was able to tickle down and give back to the community, which is really what I wanted to do all along. So power calls really helped me to realize my dream of being a fine lady and impacting my world. Can you recall what your doing power project was specifically? What did you do as your project? Yeah. So first of all, I wanted to increase my activities on LinkedIn. I wanted to also create a kind of influence for myself on the house side because I 
I'm kind of a big deal within my company. But I said, no one is ever going to notice you if you are not creating any impact on the outside. So doing power project was to create a level of awareness on the outside, leveraging social media platforms like LinkedIn. And I just wanted to have, I don't know, 20% more followers on LinkedIn. And that kind of blew up. So out of my power project was birthed my company, Jitbo, because it's all around centered around creating awareness, connecting people. I started by posting profiles, messages on LinkedIn, just to encourage people, leaders generally. And I started getting reach out from many people, especially outside my company, invites to come and talk. I perform meetings to speak with top executives globally. And they asked me, what can we do? And that was what birthed my startup idea. So with respect to what I achieved and what my target was, there is more than, uh, I don't know, 200% change in it. So I wanted to build influence on the outside in order to get more power. And I believe you started, or around that time, you started a nonprofit organization. Yep. You would t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the nonprofit organization is called JITBO, which is getting the best out of life. <laughs> so it is a coin word I brought out of power course, the negotiation, which is really getting more of what you want. And those are really linked together. I noticed that during COVID-19, many of my colleagues struggled within energy industry. It was uh, a disaster. And many people were just without bearing. They were questions without answers and no one was really ready to give concrete answers. So I sought out high profile executives from Stanford, really leveraging Stanford lead with energy background and outside energy background, just to come and talk to people and just matching them, you know, matching them with professional within energy in a series of fireside chats. It really changed the stories of people. I mean, I had people, pivot jobs, pivot career, got promotion. Like more than 10% of the people had opportunities in North America, from Europe, even from Africa. So it changed the story of many people. And because of that, it got high virality. So we registered within uh, less than 24 hours, 1,000 people had already registered. And this gave rise to partnering with more than five different companies on a number of initiatives as a result of this. So I never started it how to make it a thing, but it became a thing because of the popularity got among people. And I'm happy to let you know that it's self-driving. People are still getting engaged. And now it's just a platform to really match executives with mid-careers. And it's going on really well. I'm really happy that from Power Course, not only did it transform my life, but it transformed many people's life because of this. Because when people write me and they're like, tell us about your story. Tell us about how you can do it. Do you think I can do it? What do you think? So I couldn't manage talking to people alone by myself. So I started matching them with top executives and it became really, really successful on both sides. So so it's pretty clear that one of the things you learn from the power class, though I think you probably did it even before the power class, is the power of networking. But besides networking, what else did you do or what other ideas did you use from the class to accelerate your career? Yeah, so it's all about being central. I think that is the most powerful position to be, centralization. And when you talked about it in class, and um, I mean, Kate came and spoke about it, all the speakers in class, I just looked at it, I was like, I've been doing this, but maybe not in the right way or without structure. 
because all those events I was creating, all those fireside charts, I was at the core of everything from both the executive side and the mid-career side. So till today, I just have um, to dial one full call away anyone, anywhere in the world to get things done. So being at the central position gave me a lot of power and influence outside my organization. And this created a lot of awareness for me within my organization. So I didn't need to stress anymore because I was already a statement. And this is the lesson I'm carrying forward even as I begin to still climb in my career to be like, be a radius of build a radius of influence around myself and the right community and the right networks, but be centralized there, both within and outside the organization, because it would have been a big error for me to be big and build influence just within my organization. I would not impact the life of people on the outside. I will not turn life around and no one will know me. And it was important to me to be known. I don't just want to come and be successful or I've been able to turn the life of my family around for good, but I also want to be a name in the world. And that is the overarching scope now. Every single thing I do now, it is to really shine the light on my legacy. Who am I and what will I be? And when I begin to think in this scope, the people I sit down now with are top executive leading industry leaders. And we talk about mission, purpose, legacy goals. And this is what bonds us together. So for me, it took me out of despair because I don't know anyone that had done the path that I'd done. So it's either they are so successful, very rich and stay back in Africa or go to Europe and get some things done. But for me, I was like, I'm successful. Now is the time to really help others transform their lives. And it's been rewarding for me on every front. Yeah. And the, the idea of getting external visibility to your organization makes, of course, enormous sense. And many people do not do that. They just climb the ladder inside the organization. And you're starting uh, G-Bowl and also your I- interest in building your brand on LinkedIn and giving talks everywhere, I think, are very key to your success. Now, one of the things that comes through when I listen to you talk, of course, is that you are willing to ask anybody anything. And you are certainly also, I would say, you have a quality that I think characterizes many of the people who do the best out of my classes and out of the books. And that is you're relatively bold. I mean, you are not afraid of things. You're not afraid of people. You would not say, you know, I'm the only woman in the room or I'm the only black in the room or I'm the only Nigerian in the room. And therefore, you know, why should I be here, etc. You have a lot of, I think, self-confidence and a lot of boldness and a lot of willingness to ask. And where does that come from? And what advice would you give to people who are less comfortable than you doing that? I think you have a great question, Professor. So I call it Gotze, <laughs> which is really coming from Philip Mukabe, who was my coach during power. So I told you I started off really being very, very poor. When you don't have anything to lose at the beginning, I mean, you just do what you got to do. And this was my driver as an undergrad when I went to conference. I say, no one is going to know me. No opportunity is going to come. I don't have any sponsor. I need to make my own sponsor. And I was the first one from my unit then to get offers from the top major companies in Nigeria then. So my principle is this is what is the trade-off? 
if I'm going to be quiet, if I'm going to step back, I'm going to lose something. So, and I don't like to lose at all. <laughs> so what I do is I put my stuff out there. I was like, what do I have to lose? Nothing. And this is always my driver, you know, reach out to one person, be it like a CEO of the next company, be at a partner in another firm, be just even during interviews when I begin to talk to people or when I begin to even encourage people or when I begin to even speak in conferences, you know, conferences to executives globally and within energy industry. I say, you don't have anything to lose. Even when you think you have something to lose, what you stand to gain is more than what you stand to lose. So, I use that to balance the trade-off. And there is a saying that I always follow, which is fortune favors the bold. (laughs) So we need more bold people in the place of power. And I am not scared to ask because I know that the consequence of not asking is bigger than the fear of asking. So I go for the bigger one. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly right. You know, I, there's another saying, which is that you do not make 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you don't take a shot at the goal, you will never score a point. And you can see how that is reflected in your behavior. Exactly. And, and this is a problem, I must say, for many female executives. I think that we should ask more, we should show up more, we should speak up more because we have so much more to offer. No, that that is absolutely right, and I and I really like your boldness, and 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 certainly you follow uh, the principle of asking. Um, and the other th- principle I think you have followed, and you did it with GBOL and some other things. You have been very good at creating resources, including creating resources for other people. So you've created this network of people who hear from executives, and all of this then, of course, helps because people then owe you things, and and you've created opportunities for people. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I say that the biggest, and this is even for the work of the future, the biggest resource is human capital, no matter where and what you need. So I can pick a call if I need something in Australia now, high network, I have people to get it done. It made life easy. So my goal is to create value. And in the concept of value creation, I also want people to capture value. I'm not selfish about it. I want other people to shine. I think you also shared it in one of the classes to say, invite people and give them a seat at the table. I think this is one key lesson that I learned. My main tool when I was growing my career wide in ENI, she told me, the way to be really big is to make people around you powerful. When you have powerful friends and you surround yourself with powerful, successful people, you have a long, strong leverage. <laughs> and it has always worked. I go by that. I use that. I'm all for value creation and value capture. And this is my philosophy when I go after that. And I keep doing that because I feel like there is so much opportunity that I can create that can be created an opportunity for people to capture, including myself. (laughs) Of course, that's great. So tell us a little bit about your kind of personal uh, situation. Are you married? Do you have children? Because because (laughs) I want, and, and the reason why I ask that is because I think particularly for women, I, but, but for men as well now, I think there's an issue of how you balance uh, your professional objectives and your professional goals and the time that takes with your personal life. 
Yeah, and you've had a very crucial point, but I can answer your question. So I'm in a relationship and I have a daughter. I was married and divorced, but it was a happy separation. And I'll tell you a little bit about context why. When it comes to different background, there is a cultural aspect, which sometimes influences decision-making process. However, for powerful women or women that aspire to play power, I think it's possible to balance it. You just have to go for the right partner. And this cannot be influenced by cultural norm or societal expectation. To conform to those is going to really mess things up. I know because this was what I did a long time ago. I mean, I married really young in my 20s and it was really just conforming to the society or so. Now in my 30s, I know more. I know better. And my decision of dating or my relationship choice now is equally with someone that is centered in power. So power couple. <laughs> my general philosophy is that the same way you don't settle in the academics or just in the career, it's the same way you should aspire on who your partner will be. Otherwise, there will be problem. There will be problem because the person might not necessarily understand the origin of your drive. But if you're already with a very successful person or that the person is equally driven, then you understand each other and you're building together. So many successful women, at least my friends, so I can talk about some of the people close to me and that I've counseled in the past. Because you're successful, you tend to just overlook and let it slide when it comes to personal relationship. And it's a big, big error. I mean, you can get lucky, <laughs> but it can go either way. So the general consensus and what I've seen really work with other people is to really own who you are. I'm a power player. I like to be a power player. Don't fake it in order to be to have a happy home because it will never be happy. <laughs> and then just accept who you are and then be with someone that complements that. I like powerful people and I tend to date someone that is powerful. In fact, my preference industry is edge fund. <laughs> so I date strong, powerful people in edge fund. So when we see that, we talk business case, we can understand and relate at the same level. And it's been really rewarding for me. So that's a shot. And I have a beautiful, beautiful daughter. <laughs> Thank you so much for that answer. It turns out we're not only getting um, power and career advice, we're also getting relationship advice. And I think your relationship advice makes a tremendous amount of sense. And obviously, as you've said, but it's not obvious in terms of some of the choices people make, that if you have a partner that will let you flourish and thrive, you will not only have a good personal relationship, but your career will do much better. So I like your phrase, power couple, and I like your philosophy. I think it makes a lot of sense. So Tosin Joel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for making this happen. This has been the Pfeffer on Power podcast. If you enjoy today's conversation, please subscribe and listen to future episodes where we're going to have even more interesting and amazing guests on to talk about how they have used principles of influence and principles from my book, Seven Rules of Power, to build their careers. For more information, visit my website at jeffreypfeffer.com. That's Jeffrey with an R-E-Y-P-F-E-F-F-E-R.com. And we look forward to being with you for further episodes. Thank you again. Thank you, Professor.